Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. There's something magical about unboxing. When you unbox BritBox, you uncover a world of British entertainment. Stream the UK's most brilliant series, including new and upcoming seasons of Shetland, Father Brown and Death in Paradise. Plus new originals like Payback, Irving Welsh's Crime and Archie, the story of Hollywood's greatest leading man, Cary Grant. Unbox BritBox and escape to the best of British TV. Stream with a free trial at BritBox.com. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Relationships are hard, and that's why I'm here. Hey, friend, it's Cammie Crawford. Think of me as your big sister slash audible BFF that you can always trust to give you the real tea. This is my show, Relationship, the advice podcast that covers all relationship topics, the good, the bad, and the straight up shitty. Need advice? Send your story to hello at relationshippod.com or DM me at relationship on IG and tune in for new episodes every Friday. Be sure to follow us and subscribe so you don't miss all the hot goss. And if you're loving the show, please leave us a review. Talk soon, bestie. This is Amanda Hirsch from the Not Skinny But Not Fat podcast. You might know me from Not Skinny But Not Fat on Instagram, where I spend my time talking about reality TV, celebrities, everything happening, and pop culture. I also talk to some of our favorite celebs and reality TV stars. We talk about what's going on. Tune in every Tuesday and just feel like you're talking with your best friends in your living room. Hi. Hi, Amanda. So nice to meet you. Oh, my God. It's so good to meet you. I'm like, I just posted. I like giving little hints. So I was like, I can't believe I'm interviewing the person. It's a convoluted sentence. Whose first movie had the soundtrack to my teens, to my high school. I mean. Thank you. I became a fan of yours because I found you when Bill and Krista were on. You know, they're my best friends. And I discovered you and I've been following you. You make me laugh so much you're so funny and i don't even watch a lot of the shows you watch but you just have me laughing (laughs) you're you're definitely the best saleswoman for a daisy jones and the six which i'm definitely going to watch now after after following you You, i don't know if they have you on staff or what but i'm i'm definitely want to check it out so that's how i get with things i was thinking about it that's how i get with things that i'm into it's like i don't shut the fuck up i'm (laughs) sure people are like stop so i couldn't like imagine if you know, if I had an Instagram back when Garden State came out, because I went through the soundtrack again today, just to remind myself, I every single song, even not the Coldplay ones, like the Fru Fru, you know. Yeah. You made me think I was cool enough to listen to the Shins. Like I didn't know who the Shins are. I only knew the Shins because of Garden State. Yeah. Well, I had found them. It's funny. The Shins actually came from Scrubs. It was originally used one of that. That very track was used in a, in a really kind of throwaway moment in Scrubs in, in the background of a scene. And I remember hearing it being like, whoa, that is not a background song. That is the foreground song that and I and I went to deep dive on them and fell in love with them. But I originally discovered 
the band through Scrubs and Krista, who was very involved in in the music of Scrubs and 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 the, and some of the other writers. And you did the soundtrack, which I didn't know then, but it's all you. Well, I had help my friend Carrie Brothers, who's actually on the soundtrack. He has the song Blue Eyes, and he's very knowledgeable in music. And I had music supervisors, and but yeah, I mean, it was a, it was sort of a it was a collaboration of of finding music and music I was listening to at the time. Colin Hay, for example, you know, was was playing, used to play all the time at Largo in L.A. at the time. And, you know, he's the lead singer of Men at Work. And and a, a girl I was dating brought me to see him play a solo acoustic set at Largo. And I was just blown away. So he sings that song, I, I Just Don't Think I'll Ever Get Over You. So it was kind of a, a combination of of music me and my friends were all listening to and and then I never thought I was going to get any of those songs. You know, everyone kept telling me when, you know, I had them in my Avid in, in the edit computer. But everyone kept telling me, don't fall in love with these songs. You're never going to clear these songs. We don't have the money for it. And I, I always say I didn't know what I didn't know, because I, if I had known how daunting a task it was, I probably wouldn't have had the chutzpah to, to, to go after them all. But we got almost every song cleared on our tiny, minuscule budget. Yeah, like Coldplay, even I'm like just looking at the songs in the waiting line. I mean, I just can't deal with the fact that this was my because this came out in 2004. I graduated high school in 2006. Mm. So that was like my high school, like walking around listening, being like, I'm so emo. <laughs> so I loved it. So this is like an honor that you're on on my show and obviously Scrubs and, and everything else that you do. But mm. but even now, OK, so I wrote that convoluted thing like. And all the guests are like, oh, my God, Zach Brad Garden State. So it's just because, you know, how like no one has a unique thought. So I always think I'm like alone and cool in something. But everyone feels the same. Well, I think way. that's why you're so relatable to people, obviously, because you you're tapping into something, obviously, your sense of humor, but also your taste. People see themselves, you know, and that's kind of what making a movie is. You You put out something that's very personal and you. And and then you just pray and hope that other people will see themselves in it. You know, not not the specific story, but they'll say, oh, my gosh, that's so me and my mom. That's so me and my best friend. That's what happened to my brother. That's, uh, you know, it's it's similar to what what's happening with you and you in your amazing career and, and talking to people as people are seeing themselves in you and they're, they're finding the same humor that you find. They're finding the same taste that you find. I think it's really analogous to to, to making movies. That is true. I mean, but what you're saying about movies. So is that what drew you to make movies like wanting to share your most kind of personal? Because I know Garden State was a lot based on. Yeah. Yeah. What was happening in connect, your I think I always dreamed of making movies, but I think that filmmaking for me, when I tell these personal stories, it's, it's, it's looking for a way to connect and and to find like minded people. And, and I think when it works. I can feel a little bit less alone because people see themselves in it. And, 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 and you know, I, I found the times when I've been really grieving or depressed, it feels really lonesome, even though, you know, kind of in the abstract that obviously a lot of people deal with sadness and loss and grief, most people at some point in their life. But when you're going through it, it, it feels quite lonesome. So I think it, in writing personal stories, it, it feels like a really powerful way of sharing it and, and and especially when you go when i go watch it with a group and i've been doing tours and q a's with with a good person the new movie that's when it really feels powerful because you see people's reaction and and it, it, if you feel the community of the audience you know what i mean you feel it's so cheesy to say but you feel seen you feel you, you feel like there are like-minded minds amongst you 
I watched a good person yesterday. Sorry, guys, not wanting to show off, but oh my God, I took a selfie of me crying, which is also a super basic bitch move. But if you didn't take a picture of you crying, how are you going to prove it? You know, <laughs> but it's, it's so good. You. And you know what I kept thinking the whole time, Zach? I was like, how do they keep going? You know, how do they, I, oh, I, the whole movie. So Florence Pugh plays the, the lead who's suffered a loss, caused a loss. I'm like, no, this is going to break her. Like, she's not going to make it. Like, how would she make it after this scene or that scene or when he yelled at her or when I kept thinking like, she's not going to, how do you make it? Like, and the character like keeps going and perseveres. But I kept on thinking like how much strength a person needs to, to keep going after loss and, and in grief. Of course. And at all levels. I mean, and, and, and I think you can also, you know, the movie writes about extreme trauma in, in this case, but I, I, my hope again is that people see their own personal experience. It might not, hopefully it's not on the level of, you know, vehicular manslaughter. That's not a spoiler. It's in the trailer, but you know, wherever, you know, whether it was a divorce or a, or a, a breakup or a losing their money or losing their job or, or losing a friend, I, I hope that the, the themes are, are universal for, for everyone and they see themselves in the character. Of course, what the character of Allison, that, played by Florence Pugh, goes through is, is pretty horrific. And so it's an extreme example, but I think I've, I wanted to show, you know, how hard I imagine it would be to stand up from something that, that traumatic and horrific. You're pretty open about the loss that you suffered, yeah. which is like you got a triple situation you lost your, your yeah your, i lost my sister at first she eventually passed from an, uh, an aneurysm and she lived for a couple of years but in, in, in as a fraction of herself and eventually passed and that uh, my father then died soon after of cancer and then we went into lockdown and and right as that began uh i lost one of my best friends to to covid so i i i'm speechless i'm trying to find the words i was so when the pandemic happened and lockdown happened i i really thought I don't know what I'm going to write, but it's time for me to write. I, you know, I have no excuses. As it, it, you know, any writer knows you look for any excuse not to write. But with lockdown, I kind of ran out of excuses. I needed something to do. Uh, and Florence and I were, were partners at the time. So I, I knew her really well and I, I'm in awe of her talent. So I wanted to write for her. So that's kind of what I sat down with. I sat down with all that that grief and and the experience of going through lots of loss and and said, well, let me let me see what comes out of me. And, and, and this is what came out. Did you know from the beginning that you weren't going to be in the movie? Yeah, I had acted as the lead in, in, in two of my other films, Garden State and, and one called Wish I Was Here with Kate Hudson. And, and this one I thought, well, first of all, I'm, I'm not nearly the actor that Florence Pugh is. And I thought, wow, if, I, if she really wants to do this and, and I can write something for her, I, 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 I would way rather focus on her. And also, yeah, I just always, you know, we we wanted to collaborate. So I always I always set out with her in mind. And I I do find it there's 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 obviously exceptions, but I, I do find it sometimes when the director makes a cameo, it can be a bit distracting. So I, I really wanted to just focus on them. So base luggage, B-E-I-S, that's Shane Mitchell's luggage brand is chic, is convenient is luxury, is affordable, is comfortable. It's really all the things. And the only way that I travel nowadays, so check out BASE. And if you guys want a discount code, it's not skinny to get 15% off your first purchase. BASE 
helps you travel effortlessly while looking fashionable. My favorite part about it is the cushion handle, uh, the built-in weight indicator, the fact that it comes with washable bags for your dirty clothes. And it has so many interior pockets to keep you organized that I swear, even when I pack and I pack so fugly. It looks like hus packed for me because it's so organized and so neat, but it's really only because the way base is made just makes you look like a neat packer, even if you're not a neat packer. Okay. Their luggage comes in multiple sizes and colors for shorter trips. Uh, they also have the weekender bag, which is super functional and even has space to store your shoes separately. So base gets like so many good reviews because literally it's just amazing and you don't have to worry about it. Um, for when you get the carry on, it fits in the overhead and perfectly. And even I can lift it above my head on my own and not ask for help, which feels really good. So right now base it's B E I S offering my listeners 15% off your first purchase by visiting base travel.com slash not skinny. Go to base travel travel.com slash not skinny for 15% off your first purchase. That's base B-E-I-S travel.com slash not skinny. I have a new app for you guys to download. It's called Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A. And you download it in the app store or you download it on Google Play if you have an Android. So basically this is a cash back app. Okay. You're welcome. So, you know, groceries, school shopping, getting yourself a present, you're already doing all those things. So why not get cash back for it? Well, you can now with Ibotta. You can earn cash back on every shopping trip. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. So you link your account or you upload your receipt after you shop and you get cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns like $120 a year in real cash back. That could cover like one of your shopping trips, okay? Or you could use that cash back to buy, you know, a flight that you've been eyeing, a game that you've been dying to go to, a concert you've been dying to see, fancy dinner you've been craving. So check out Ibotta. It gives you real cash back, not points. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much, but with Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, to PayPal, or to gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too when you start with Ibotta. It includes Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering my listeners $5 for trying Ibotta by using the code not skinny when you register. So you go to the app store, you go to Google play, you download the free Ibotta app, and then you use code not skinny. That's Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A in Google play or app store and use the code not skinny. Do you watch Yellowstone? No, I don't. Okay. The creator like puts himself as like a, you need to watch Yellowstone. Okay, well, See? listen, you, you've, okay. you've got me. You loved Daisy Jones so much. I'm definitely going to do a deep. Well, you, you, and, you, I mean, you have you have influenced me and I am going to watch Daisy Jones in the six. You're going to love it because the soundtrack is also so fun and so indie, you know, and the way Garden State was where like I felt indie for a hot minute and shrinking too. I mean, you directed episode eight, yeah. which is really great for me because it's titled Boop, and you weren't around for Boop, but Boop is my thing. Oh, did they steal Boop from you? Well, Bill says it was like an accidental thing. Oh, I don't I believe like, him. I don't believe him. You got. You need to get a copyright on your Boop. I was like accidental, but so that's that's really cool because you directed that 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 episode, episode eight. Yeah, of Yeah, I really love that episode. I had such a good time, and I'm going to direct. I think two or three in in season two. I love that show. 
can say that. Such a good show. I, I just directed one episode, so I can say semi objectively that show's awesome. <laughs> why didn't he? Why didn't he put you in? Oh well, no, it was it was always designed for he, you know Jason is one of the creators of it. It was always it was always designed for Jason with Jason and Brett Goldstein. It's oh, in so terms good. of an arc, I, I definitely would. I, I'd love to do a little character arc on it. But... I know you, that's what I meant. Like you should come in as like needing therapy. Oh uh, yeah, that's from... a good idea. I think from probably, I think Ford. it's probably not on his the forefront of his mind because he <laughs> likes me as a director and he's thinking of me directing three episodes. But but maybe I'll force him to give me a cameo. Well, isn't it wild though? Because the first script that you wrote and brought to him when you worked together on Scrubs, there is that famous story where he didn't read it or drove over it or something. Yeah, no, he literally drove over it. I had such <laughs> gumption. I can't tell you. I I, li- I got Scrubs. And I, I mean, again, you don't know what you don't know. I would never do this today. And I don't recommend any actor do this today. But I got scrubs. I, you know, I went to film school and I, I wanted to be a writer director. But I got scrubs. And the one of the very first moves I did was like, I'm going to write a spec script for scrubs and get and get him to choose it and make it. I, and I cringe at the thought of that now because it's like every showrunner's nightmare. Like, no, 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 no. I don't want you, my actor, bringing me spec scripts for the show. <laughs> right. It's like you guys, it's like the equivalent of, let's say you're trying to break into the biz. So you're someone's assistant and then you try to get like into the biz before like being in it. Right. It's like you're or, trying or, to or more like you're, you're supposed to bring your boss coffee at, at the big board <laughs> meeting. And instead you you take over and, and do a presentation at the board meeting. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, if you didn't have the chutzpah and you didn't have I mean, that's part of how success happens. Of course, of course. And, you know, and I think that you know, it's a tough town and you, and you have to have gumption and, and chutzpah. Uh, but I, I, anyway, so the funny story is, is that Bill, I gave it to Bill and he, he was semi nice about it. But then later in the day, and this is not an exaggeration. A PA brought me the script and they said, Zach, I found this in the parking lot and it had a tire mark, not an exaggeration over the cover page. And he had, he claims he had accidentally left it on his roof and and driven over it (laughs) do you remember the script like was it good um i'm sure it needed work but i i thought the ideas that were in it were really good and i think eventually some of those ideas were worked into other scripts i don't know if you'd admit that even this many years later (laughs) but yeah i mean i I don't know that it was ready to go to air but i think it was not a horrible horrible first pass of something okay so you went to film school which by the way i always pictured you as like a tish guy no western i know but I was like, I just assumed you you were you were at Tish. So you went to Northwestern for for directing, but you wanted to be an actor. You went to like theater camp when you were younger. When I was a little kid, I, I just always I had no interest in sports. So I, I really wanted to, you know, my, my parents found this amazing theater camp. Sorry, I'm in New York and there's sirens going by. But my parents found this amazing theater camp for kids who really wanted to do theater. It was called Stage Door Manor up in up in the Catskills. And I just found my people. I went there and I was like, oh, my goodness. I didn't know there was like this many people that were like me who have no interest in lacrosse and just want to do musicals. (laughs) Wait, is that like nerdy? Is the vibe nerdy or is the vibe like cool? Oh, well, it it may have been nerdy to outside people. But to (laughs) us, we were the coolest people in the world. I mean, are you kidding me? And I and I felt really cool because I was I was a good actor for for a kid and I, I was getting leads. So it was really a special place for me. I, I really loved it. And, you know, you're, it's camp. You know, I had my first kiss there and it was magical. And so I, you know, I auditioned as a, as a child actor and got a couple of things. But 
actually when I was 18, I got a pilot at 14 that didn't go with Gwyneth Paltrow. It was actually Gwyneth Paltrow's first part as well. She was, she was the, you know, pretty cheerleader, senior girl in high school. And I was sort of the nerdy freshman. It was a show called high, like as in high school. And I didn't get picked up, but it was both of our first things. And then when I was 18, I got cast in Woody Allen's Manhattan Murder Mystery. I played his and Diane Keaton's son just in one scene. But that was really surreal because my first scene ever in a movie was my scene partners were Woody Allen, Diane Keaton, and Angelica Houston. <laughs> and I, I would imagine that you were like a fan of Woody Allen. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, obviously, I, I, I know it's, it's, it's controversial to even mention his name these days. But, <laughs> but, but, but it's honest to say that my, my father loved Annie Hall. It was his favorite movie. We, we, you know, it was played all the time in my house. So playing their kid was a very surreal moment. And then I and but then I decided, you know, it was kind of had some momentum, that, but I, I really wanted to go to film school. I really wanted to, to learn how to make movies. So I, I, I went off to Northwestern and and studied film for four years. That's so cool. So now, like, what do you feel like you prefer to do act or write and direct? I like doing both. I hope I get to continue doing both. But, you know, when I make a movie like this, I feel like I'm most self-expressed when I want to do something like this. It's very hard to do. It's so hard to get a movie made. It's so hard to get them to come out this one's actually coming out in theaters i know i was thinking about that because you wrote it during the pandemic did you have in mind like because you couldn't have known things would get better it could be in a movie theater people could go watch it versus you know so many movies that were going straight to streaming services and so what did you have in mind did you did you imagine it in theaters i always hoped it would be in theaters I always imagined that, but I didn't know, you know, Amazon bought MGM, you know, while we've been waiting to release the movie. So, of course, I was concerned that that they might just put it on their streaming service. But the, but MGM really loves the movie and, and they wanted to give it a theatrical release. So I just I'm so lucky and, and blessed that it's actually going to come out in, in theaters. And I'm, I'm here to beg everyone to please go check it out, because I do think even though it's it may sound like a, a shameless plug, I, I do think that there's something really beautiful about seeing a movie like this, which is quite emotional. And then there also is a lot of humor, but in a, in a theater with, with people, there's, there's a, there's something really powerful. I think that happens when you watch a movie like this and it's perfectly silent. And then you, you obviously hear people, some people crying and then, and then there's a big laugh. I think it really, you know, enhances the experience. And also you get to hear Morgan Freeman in surround sound you get to hear morgan freeman and also you know him and florence Pugh going to oh my god it's pretty incredible i know it was a it was probably super surreal for you to get morgan freeman to do this role was he your dream actor for this part yeah i mean i never thought i'd get him because he doesn't normally do independent movies but i had made a studio movie with him a, a, a big heist comedy i made called going in style so I knew him and, and I thought, you know, Florence and I both were like, well, let's try, you know, you, we never, you never know. And we sent it to him and it, I thought I was gonna have to wait a few weeks and he, he called me and I remember Florence held up the phone because the phone said Morgan Freeman across the front of it. And he's never really called me. He's texted me a few times, but he never called me. And I, I picked up the phone and, and, and he didn't even say hi. He just goes, I see myself on every page of this script. And I was like, does that mean yes? And he's like, yeah, that means yes. And and then we were off to the races. Wow. I mean, both of them together and even Molly Shannon. What a surprise. Because I didn't know she I knew they were in it, but I didn't know Molly was in it. Yeah. And then you're like, 
And it, she, she's just such a fun surprise to watch on screen. And I love her so much. Good, and she's such a good mix of, of comedy and drama. You know, some people know Molly from like SNL and being a hilarious comedian. But I had actually interesting directed the first episode of Scrubs I ever directed. Molly was the guest star. And the arc of her character in that episode was quite dramatic. She had a lot of funny stuff, but then there was like a big reveal dramatic moment and she was incredible. So I remember all the way back then thinking, wow, I want to work with her again. She's fantastic. And when we were casting this movie and trying to pick Florence's mom, Florence and I were both like, oh my, and we couldn't, you couldn't possibly beat Molly Shannon for this part. And so I was thrilled when she said yes. I know. And it works somehow. They like really do pull off mother and daughter so well. I yeah. was like, this is such perfect casting. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about you call her Florence. So do, do her friends not call her Flo? She has lots of nicknames. Flossie, Flo, Flobo Baggins, Flossie Rose, Lil Pew Pew. Pew Pew. That's Pew Pew. That's cute. Wait, so how did you two even meet? We met through friends and, you know, we were just hang, hang out. And then I, got this opportunity to direct this big budget short film, which are not words that go together very often, but it was actually for Adobe that, you know, the company that makes Photoshop. And I got this really awesome commission. It was like, we're going to do a contest for college kids to design a movie poster. And the winning movie poster, the prize is that, that you will write and direct a short film based on the movie poster. And I was like, and also, and here's a big ass budget to make the short film. And I was like, this sounds too good to be true. And because I, Florence was on my radar as someone to watch and I thought she was, her work was incredible. I cast her, I cast Alicia Silverstone. If anyone's curious, you can watch it. It's on YouTube. It's called In the Time It Takes to Get There. And so we made this short together and it came out really cool. And everybody, the Adobe and everyone who watched it liked it. And then we just hit it off and, and we, we started seeing each other. Okay, two-part question. So you made the movie for her. While you were filming, you were still dating. So you were like her boyfriend, but also her director. Yeah, but we had had the experience of the short film, you know, mm. practice, you know, because that was a three-day shoot and this was a 26-day shoot. Oh, you did it in 20? You did yeah. this movie in 26 days? Isn't that insane? Yeah, it's pretty insane. We had to, we had to shoot fast because not only do we have a low budget, but COVID, all, with all the COVID protocols, you're so much money. I mean, understandably, everyone has to stay safe, but so much money is going out the window with the testing and the staff and all the safety measures. And it's not going on the screen. And basically, it translates to, at the bottom line, is you're just losing days. You just don't, you have less days to make the film. It's um, crazy because you guys, like, shows take, like, just TV shows, right? Take so long. Well, like an episode usually... of, of Shrinking, for example, would be like six and a half days to do a, a, a 25, 30 minute show. So this is a two hour movie we shot in 26 days. It's pretty, it's, it's pretty fast paced. It's pretty fast paced. Yeah. Wow. And you did it all in New Jersey too. Yeah. I shot it all in my hometown, which is South Orange, New Jersey. Cause I, I just felt like I knew that, that place so well. So if I was going to write something that was really, raw and vulnerable and authentic to my experience that if I if I said it somewhere I really knew well I, I would have a really solid foundation you know I, I couldn't I wouldn't fuck up the area I know what the dive bar in Jersey looks like I know what the high school principal's office looks like I know what a church looks like I I know that world and I and and so I felt comfort in, in setting it where I know 
So it's like also super realistic. You know, what's really super realistic and trippy is that I'm going to premiere for the New Jersey premiere tonight in my hometown. Florence is coming and, and, and the audience is going to be like loving it so much because there's certain locations that are like, you know, 30 yards away from the movie theater that we, we shot in, like the train station, the duck pond. Wait, are there usually premieres in New Jersey? No, I just mean because we shot it in the time. I mean, it's not like a no. I mean, you, it's not like uh, a big wait. carpet kind of thing. We're just doing oh. we're doing a screening there for the town because the, you know the town is 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 where it's set. So we're doing a sort of a, a give back. Oh, Thanks for cute. letting us film there. Yeah, I love that. You really like elevate New Jersey all the time. I mean, in two out of your right, like. Y- well, Garden State and I, this. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's just it, to be honest, it's just right what you know. That that's that's what I feel like most confident. Not always. I mean, wish I was here to place in LA, which I also know pretty well at this point. So I think I just feel confident writing up an area I really I feel I know well. There is a new show on Hulu. It's called Up Here. It's with Mae Whitman. And I'm obsessed with her ever since she was a little girl. That sounds weird. Ever since she, you know, acted in One Fine Day and When a Man Loves a Woman and her cameo on Friends. And now she's in a musical series rom-com. It's about two characters. She plays Lindsay and Miguel. They juggle career and crushes as they try to find love in New York City in 1999. Don't we love 1999? So it's actual a musical rom-com, okay, about falling in love and finding happiness, finding yourself living in New York City. So it's already out on Hulu. It's from the director of Hamilton, the screenwriter of Tick, Tick, Boom, songwriters of the Book of Mormon and WandaVision. It really is by the best people in the industry and has such an amazing cast, you guys. So all episodes of the musical rom-com up here are now streaming on Hulu. It's so fun. They both of these characters, you know, are going through adulthood in New York trying to find themselves while hearing inner voices of family and friends, which you will see them on screen being shoved into their daily lives. And it's just filled with ronge and ridiculousness. And it's about that time, you know, in your life that's so magical that you had nothing figured out and all the time in the world to think about everything you have to figure out. And all of this is with a great cast with tons of singing that just makes it so much fun. So check it out on Hulu and stream up here now. Okay, guys, we're not Gwyneth Paltrow or Chris Martin over here. We want to eat. We want to eat. Okay. So that's why I want to tell you guys about Factor. It's America's number one ready to eat meal kit. So there are a lot of meal delivery services out there. A lot of ones that you get all the ingredients and you make them. I'm more into the ready to eat vibe because if I wanted to cook, I'd be cooking. So if you guys want ready to eat meals, look into Factor. You can skip the trip to the grocery store, skip the chopping, the prep and the cleaning. Uh, Factor is fresh and never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. All you have to do is heat and enjoy. Also, their meals are delicious, flavor packed and help you live life to the fullest. You guys, they have keto options, vegan and veggie options, calorie smart options, protein plus options on the menu each week. They're prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians. So if you're looking to cut back on takeout, get Factor. It's also cheaper than takeout and the meals are ready in a much shorter time. So you guys head to factormeals.com slash notskinny50 and you can use code notskinny50 to get 50% off your first 
box. So that's code not skinny 50. And you can get all of that and eat clean without the hassle. Choose your meals and enjoy fresh flavor packed meals delivered to your door with no prep and no mess. That's code not skinny 50 at factormeals.com slash not skinny 50 to get 50% off your first box. Okay, so you and Flo together for the thing already knew how to navigate that from the short film. Yeah. But now you're no longer together, but you're still like the best exes in the world. How well, we love each other. We get along really well. Obviously, it doesn't always go as 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 well as as it goes for us. I mean, but we just we really get along. We want to keep working together. We want to make more movies together. We we share a dog together. We love each other. I'm just in awe of her talent. She's just the best actress one of the best actresses in the world, I think. And so I, I think we just, and we're proud, we're very proud to, to, to be releasing this together. There was a lot of blood, sweat and tears that went into making this movie. So I think we're just really proud of our, our baby, if you will. I know. Imagine like your breakup didn't go well and this movie would come out. Yeah, that would have been horrible. That would have been horrible. That would have been horrible. You literally at the, at the screening yesterday, you introduced her I almost cried. My friend, I might be getting my period with all this crying. My friend, my muse, my partner in crime. I wrote this for this beautiful human being. And then you introduced her. Yeah, that's true. That's so, that's like writing a movie for someone is like writing a song for someone, but better. Well, the way I think of it is like, imagine I'm right. I'm like, I write classical music and she's the best first violinist in the world. And I feel like I get to have something I wrote played by the greatest first violinist in the world that's how i think of it it's like i'm just sitting there in awe being like i can't play the violin like that holy shit <laughs> so is she super easy to direct yeah we were very collaborative you know i wrote it we were in lockdown together so i wrote it, it there weren't really you know, she didn't i didn't let her read the script until i was done but that we, we, we were constantly kind of workshopping it out together i would come back from a, a day of writing in my office and and say like hey i think i figured this out today and she'd be like oh cool why why do you think she does that and it would kind of force me to th- to answer that and 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 so we hashed it out together you know there's a there's a scene i'm, I'm not spoiling anything it's in I think it's in the trailer but anyway she cuts her hair off in the movie and right it's her idea and i said to her that's a really good idea but we don't want to deal with wigs because wigs look horrible even on a big budget movie and i and how are we going to do that logistically we shoot completely out of order and that's a that's just like a production nightmare and she's like you'll figure it out and i was like <laughs> And then like a week later, I circled with my old team and I was like, Florence, we, I really talked to everybody and just logistically cutting your hair in the middle of the movie is, or at the beginning of the movie even is, is, is kind of logistically impossible. And she was like, you guys will figure it out. <laughs> but you know, thanks to her passion to, to have that be something the character did as a statement of something she felt the character would do, we did figure out the logistics of it. And she really is cutting her hair off in, in that scene. She really is. Do you practice that? Like, how do you get it? I right? was so nervous. First of all, we, with Florence and her house, we kept sharing images. I'm like, so like this short, like this vibe, like, you know, in Google imaging, like not like Mia Farrow, you know, in Rosemary's Baby short. Right. And they're like, no, 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 no. And I'm like, OK, so kind of like, you know, we were like, like we were like communicating through Google image like this kind of short. Right. And then, of course, on the day. I was like, show, I was like the, her hairstylist. I was like, show me, show her and me where you want the scissors, you know? Cause we want it to look fucked up, but not like who fucked up. I mean, it is pretty fucked up. She loves it. It's <laughs> fucked up. It was like her favorite haircut. She says, so he showed her like, okay, I would aim on an angle, like roughly here, you know? Cause we didn't want like, like super short bangs or anything crazy like that. 
So, you know, we lined it up with with the hairstylist and then she just went for it. I love learning about all these little things about like making TV and movies like you saying you just would never do it on a wig because it would look stupid and people. I, I find that even uh, there's certain examples, obviously, if I think if the hairline is covered, you can for some reason you can a wig can can work. But if it's if it's like my hair right now and. You know, I think, and there's lace, which is what they do to, to glue it to the head. That works on stage, but I always find it noticeable. Maybe it's just because I'm a filmmaker in the movies. I, I often find it just... And people, and a lot of times that can distract. Like sometimes really distract. it's just, it's it's like small and, you know, maybe you would just care about it. But a lot of times I've seen shows where that's what people are talking about instead of the episode. It's like, oh, that wig was I so bad or whatever. Sometimes I have to get by it. I'll love a show, but the wig is so bad. And I'm like, I know. I'll have a talking to it myself. Like, you like the show. Stop obsessing about the fucking wig. Wait, <laughs> it, are you talking about... I'm not going to say what show I'm talking about. Okay, I don't I'll, like... say, I'll say what show I'm talking about because I can. The morning show. Reese oh, no, Witherspoon's I, don't, I can say it's not that. I don't watch that show. Oh, okay. Well, we got to make you a list of shows. I know. And what shows do you watch so we can watch what you're watching? I love The Bear. I'm trying to think the first thing that comes to my head. Yeah. I love Bear's The Bear. Good. I love Andor. I thought that was incredible. What's Andor? Andor is a Star Wars show, but it's a different kind of Star Wars show. It was, it was really made for adults, whereas often Star Wars is meant to cater to families, obviously. But Andor was a, a version of Star Wars where they really wrote it for adults and it was really incredibly done. What else? I love shrinking, obviously. I'm trying to think. I loved, oh, I, I love, I, I watched this show a lot of people didn't watch, but I highly recommend it called Zero Zero Zero. That was on Amazon Prime. Oh, the book, my, my assistant just reminded me, I love the boys so much. Have you watched the boys? Oh no, is that where they like fuck like sea creatures? Um, I'm not going to answer that because there'll be spoilers, <laughs> but it's a spoof of superheroes and but really like in an R-rated insane way. And the writing is just incredible. Oh, yeah. It's with Nate Archibald from Gossip Girl. Well, what's his name? Chase Crawford. He's hilarious. Yeah. He's OK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that has been on my list for a while. Yeah, you um, like it. It is. R. It is like super R. You're like sometimes you're like, how are they doing this on TV? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. OK, now I definitely want to watch. So let's move on. I wanted to know. From making Garden State yeah. and and a good person, two very different movies, but have some things in common, right? Yeah. Like take a place in New Jersey, things you wrote based on your experience. How would you say that they are different or the same or things that you've learned in making a good person that you wish you knew when you were making Garden State? That's a good question. I was so young when I made Garden State. I certainly didn't think anybody was going to see it. I thought like, you know, my parents and like maybe the temple choir would see it. I didn't think that, you know, it would be such a, a massive success that, that continues to to the soundtrack and the film continue. I mean, someone just told me it's playing on HBO like this week. So it just 20 years later, the fact that it was so resonated with people, I couldn't have predicted that. What they have in common is is definitely, you know, I've, I've battled depression and anxiety for a lot of my life. And I think that when I look back on Garden State, it was it was sort of an articulation of, of that for me. I was I was it, you know someone ended up coining the the idea of the quarter life crisis when you're out of college and the world is just a giant mountain before you and you don't know what who you want to be or what you want to do. And I, I definitely felt that I felt a depression related to not knowing who I was or what I was going to be, and it all felt quite daunting. And so that was kind of the inspiration for that film. And now you know because of all the loss that I experienced in the last four years. I, I think similarly, this this came out of 
trying to really be authentic with myself and and with a little bit of distance and write about the sadness and pain that my family and I have felt as we've navigated all all this loss. And and how could I how could I articulate that in such a way that that where, where people would hopefully see them themselves in it. And that's what I set out to do. So I think that's what they both have in common. They both have to do with start trying to start a new chapter after after a, a, a loss. You guys, don't we all want trendy jewelry that you know you can wear every day? You don't have to keep in a safe. You don't have to save for that like one wedding in a year. That's Missouri for you. So that's where you should check out, you know, if you want to buy a new chain or a dainty little hoop or, you know, a new cute bracelet, check out Missouri because this is a company. It's not for only occasions. They do fine jewelry, but they're celebrating every day, not just the big moments. They have really high quality pieces that are designed for you to wear your way, whatever your taste, mood, or budget. My sister actually was just asking me if I have a code because her and her friends wanted to buy a gift from Missouri for her friend. And I was like, see, everyone knows that Missouri is just the place to go when you want to buy, you know, a good piece of jewelry that also won't break your bank account. So Missouri also drops new limited edition products every Monday and they feature responsibly sourced diamonds, recycled 14 K solid gold pieces. You can sweat, shower and sleep in. So check out Missouri, discover fairly priced and expertly handcrafted styles to wear and love forever. If you're looking for a sign to buy yourself the diamond or the gold hoops or the bracelet or the necklace, then this is it. Make your own day and go to Missouri.com. Missouri is spelled M-E-J-U-R-I.com and get yourself a little treat. Okay. You deserve it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. How do you deal with your anxiety, depression now? I know you you talked about it a lot. And also you said something once that was like you thought that everyone kind of is neurotic and deals with it. And and to, to realize that some people just walk the earth and, yeah. you know, don't don't have their mind exploding with thoughts. So how do you deal with your anxiety? Um, it's a process. I have a re- really great therapist who's who's been life changing for me. I uh, exercise has been life changing for me. I, I feel. Oh, don't say that. It is. It is. My shrink made a joke. He said, "You going to the gym every day will put me out of business," <laughs> and it's true. The endorphins I get from from working out and exercising really help me. Being sur- surrounded by supportive people and and sharing and listening to them both both counseling friends i think and also being heard by them is very very helpful taking breaks or just stopping drinking has been really helpful to me because i think that's just literally a depressant yeah anxiety is real yeah yeah i mean it's funny that you you know some i had to just have like a talk with myself like at times when i'm really down like so you're depressed and you're pounding a depressant like what sense does that make? So I think alcohol breaks are are super helpful to me. 
and uh, meditation. I mean, I, I'm just giving you the, the I, I throw the I throw the whole you know kitchen sink at it. To be honest, lots of lots of things. Wow. Well, good for you, and thank you for talking about it. I feel like the way you were talking about sharing grief, and not that it's like misery is company, but knowing that other people go through shit. Yeah. Just gives you a sense of not feeling alone. Yeah, and I think. You know, it's one thing, one thing when you do it one-on-one with a friend, like you give a friend your honest take and advice and, and you kind of feel good helping them just like hopefully they feel good advising you. But I think when you write something and put it out to the world, you're hoping like in a, in a similar way, I hope that you get something out of this. I hope that you, you come away with, you know, something that made you look at your own life or, or maybe even give you insight into something you're, you're battling. So how would you, because like I look at you and I say, okay, 20 plus year career, right? In Hollywood, which is such a scary place. You know, shit happens there. A lot of shit happens there. And you kind of, from the outside at least, look like you had a pretty okay ride, right? Like not not a lot of drama, not like, I just feel like somehow your journey from the outside looking in is almost like when a child star ends up okay you know, and you're like happy. Not that you're a child star, but it's like you seem so grounded and, you know, you still care so much about where you came from, New Jersey. Yeah. So how did you do that? How did you stay so like who you are throughout the years and not get sucked into like the Hollywood of it all? That's a great question. I I think I just had great mentors and and people that were looking out for me and, you know, and it's ups and downs, you know, just I'm sure like like anybody listening, it's there's ups and downs in, in your career and in your life. Obviously, Hollywood is a bit that on on steroids because it's in the pub. If you're in the public eye, it's in the public eye. There's a lot of there's so many traps to fall into. It's kind of like an obstacle course, avoiding so many traps. But I think I was surrounded by by good people, and I do a lot of work on myself. I, and to the you know now and and forever, I'm I'm actively try to 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 work on on being the best version of myself I can be. Some weeks and days I do better job with that than others. And I feel like you grew up so quickly in front of our eyes cuz like I'm thinking about it. You're 47 today, which by the way, Not today, April, well, yeah, you mean, well, you mean in this day and age, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Currently, yeah. I was shocked. I was like, first of all, you look so great. So drop the Paul Rudd skincare routine. Hey, it's not that. Uh, although, although I, as you said that, I was like, fuck, I need to dye my sideburns. They're getting very gray. <laughs> and that and that head of hair, too. Yeah, this came from my dad. Until the day he passed, he had a big full head of hair. So I, I have to thank him for that. Wait, and people don't know about you. You're, I didn't know your middle name was Israel. Yeah, interestingly, not after the country necessarily, I suppose indirectly, but my one of my father's heroes was a rabbi very involved in the civil rights movement. And uh, his name is Rabbi Israel Dresner. And my dad really looked up to him and idolized him in a lot of ways and was and became his very good friend. And he named me after him, my middle name. Mm. Oh, I love that. But are you connected with your Judaism at all? You know, I feel really connected with the the culture of it. We were raised on the on the on on Jewish comedy and a Jewish sense of humor, and you know, the theater, and whether it be Neil Simon or or Mel Brooks. So I'm connected, and and, and I think of and identify with the culture and the humor and the food and the people. And I actually love going to. I visited Israel, but I don't. I'm not a I'm not a relig- a secular religious person at all. I get it. I'm the same way. I even I used to think about this for the Jews out there. 
I sometimes was so like a traditional Jewish person of like doing the Passover and the whatever that I was fasting on Yom Kippur. And then one year I was like, why am I fasting? And just started asking myself, you know, the straight up question. And so many people do that also because of the tradition of it all. And there was no real reason. Like I didn't believe in the reason I was fasting. So I stopped fasting. Yeah, I grew up. And by the way, I think I may have misused that word. I believe secular means you're not religious. I may have. Right. Secular means you're not. Okay, good. I used a double negative. I'm secular. I, I grew up kosher. We, we, yeah. I mean, we had separate sinks, separate silverware, separate dishes. You had to wait an hour. If you, if you had dairy, wait, if you had meat, you had yeah. an hour for dairy, no pork, no shellfish. And, and back in the day, this is a, a random trivia. I just, the other day, I don't know if it's still true, but back in the day, Oreos had pig lard in them and we weren't allowed to eat Oreos. <laughs> oh my God. Check your ingredients, people. I don't know if they've changed that or not, but there was like an off-brand version called Hydrox. And so we had to eat Hydrox because they didn't have pig lard in them. Oh my God. So you grew up a super Jew. Yeah. I, I was bar mitzvah and the whole thing. My father was very, very into it and, and religious. Wow. Well, I want to also tell people, if you don't know, Zach also has a podcast out with with Donald. Yeah. Donald Faison. Uh, yeah. From from Scrubs. And you guys are besties like IRL still, right? Oh, yeah. I'm godfather to his kids. I mean, we, we, we met at the table read for Scrubs and just it was love at first sight. We we were inseparable. In fact, it got to the point on Scrubs where Bill was running out of storylines and he'd be like, what did you guys do this weekend? And we'd tell him some <laughs> insane shit that we got up to. And then like a couple of days later, it would be in the script. <laughs> well, that's really fun, though, that him getting married and having kids didn't like change your relationship. Well, his wife is incredible. Casey Cobb is just a dream. And so she's like one of my best girlfriends. Uh, you know, we joke that we're a thruple because I just do everything with them. And I, I love him. I love him so much. You guys are so adorable. OK, you guys, listen, you got to go watch a good person. It's in theaters. March 24th. So and thank by the you time so that- much for your reaction. You de- DM me after you saw it. And I and I I just want you to know it meant a lot to me what you wrote. And and I'm just so happy that you you liked it. Oh, my God. I feel honored to have watched it, you know, before before the world could see it. And I'm so excited to see, like, what everybody thinks about it. I'm sure that's such probably a nerve wracking you know, few days, weeks for you. It's like you're waiting to see the public's response to it. But I mean, an amazing performance by the actors, an amazing story. And I don't want to spoil it. So everybody go, go watch a good person in theaters. It's out from March 24th. Zach Braff, you're amazing. Thank you for coming on my show. Thank you you for talking to me. Please keep making me laugh on Instagram. You're very funny. I'll do my best. (laughs) All right. We'll talk. Okay. Bye, babe. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of Not Skinny But Not Fat. Follow me on Instagram at Not Skinny But Not Fat. Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes. Rate the podcast that you love so much on Apple Podcasts and write a little review. If you tell me you did, I'll give you a big virtual smoocheroo. Thank you guys so much for listening and I'll see you next Tuesday. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.